Ricky Wild Thing Vaughn. What was that last pitch you threw me? Oh. I call it the Eliminator. Jake Taylor. There's a rookie in camp I'm going to need your help with. What exactly is his problem? Roger Dorn. Come on, Roger. Take one for the team. <laughs> Willie Mays Hayes. And he's out by an eyelash at third. Boy, we never seem to get the close ones. Pedro Serrano. Serrano killed baseball. And making their debuts this season, Jack Parkman. Kamikaze Tanaka. Rube Baker. I bet you're wondering why they call me Rube. No, I got a pretty good idea how that happened. And back in the booth, team announcer Harry Doyle. The Indians are showing signs of life for the first time in weeks. They appear to be beating the crap out of each other. Major League Two. It's a swing and a hit. Welcome into episode six of the Bad Movies, Worst Opinions podcast, where we believe that everybody has a favorite bad movie. We only watch movies that are rated as 6.0 or less on IMDb. Baseball season is here, so we're very happy to be joined by Royals insider Josh Vernier. Vern, this is a favorite of yours. You love Major League Two. Yeah, this movie doesn't fit the category. It is a terrific movie that is just as good, if not better, than the original. All right, I think we're going a little bit too far here. Let me get through the particulars here. <laughs> the rating on this film is a 5.6 on IMDb with 27,000 votes. I couldn't find it on a streaming service. I had to stream this illegally. I don't know how you guys both watch Major League Two, but I streamed this illegally. The tagline is the Dream Team is back. The budget, $25 million. Vern, it made $53 million at the box office. A success, Major League Two was. No question. Hopefully Bob Uecker got a big chunk of that because they let him cook in this movie. It's like they saw his character in the first one. They were like, that works. Just yes. go. Just, yes. do, just be that to 100. Yes. The box office that week, Major League Two was number one, knocking off Mighty Ducks 2. That was number two. Which the, one is that? Is that the one where they're... Is that Knuckle Puck? Knuckle Puck. Okay, yeah, that's the Knuckle Puck. The Paper was the third movie. Naked Gun, 33 and one-third, The Final Insult. Schindler's List. This is its 16th week in the box office, Schindler's List. Still in the top five. Also, the second week of Above the Rim. I had to add that for you. Above the Rim was <laughs> see, in theaters then. See, this is all wheelhouse for like the 11-year-old, Vern. So Mighty Ducks and Major League. It's just... Oh, coming right down the middle. The plot. The Indians are now a World Series contender, but last year's hunger is now replaced with complacency and bad decisions by the new owner who threatens to tear the team apart. I think the movie correctly starts with Bob Euchre introducing all the old characters, and you guys are right. I forgot how every time Bob Euchre is on the screen, I forgot how great he was. Every single scene, every one-liner, every joke, Bob Euchre, to me, is the star of this movie. Hello, everybody. Harry Doyle here, welcoming all you Wahoo maniacs to the year's first session of Tribe Talk. As you know, the Indians had a Cinderella season last year. Despite the fact that toxic owner Rachel Phelps wanted the team to lose so she could move it to Florida, the Indians won the American League East for the first time since divisional play began. Yeah, he definitely is the star of this movie because they really sell him. Like, not that Jake Taylor or 
Charlie Sheen's character, Rick Vaughn, aren't important. Hey, welcome back characters. They clear like, hey, Bob Uecker was the star of one. He stole the show. We're going to let him be the star here. I also think, I know he wasn't mentioned in like the top characters, Randy Quaid, I also think, is a major character in this movie. I think he also does a perfect job of personifying like generic fan. Like, so excited on opening day, then hates the team, and then's back, baby. Especially around these parts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Bob Uecker serves as like the narrator, I, I feel like, for the entire movie. You mentioned the introduction, and it kind of carries throughout, and come to find out just how much of it was ad-libbed. Uh, you you would be shocked if you listen to a Brewers game. Now, he's not as sarcastic, uh, but just as quick here in 2023 and still just as funny. So the cast of the movie, a lot of the same people returned from the first one. Charlie Sheen is Rick Wild Thing Vaughn. Tom Berenger is Jake Taylor. Corbin Burnson is Roger Dorn. The All-State man, Dennis Haysbert, he is Pedro Serrano. James Gammon is Lou Brown. I had no clue that that was his real name. He's just Lou Brown to me. I had no clue until I Googled it yesterday. Couldn't name another film he's in if I tried. Wesley Snipes out. Omar Epps in as Willie Mays Hayes. Rob, I know you have the wise Wesley Snipes. This movie is infinitely better if Wesley Snipes comes back and does it. I actually was looking for a fun fact on why. It just seems like money. Everything you read is money. It's not like some, oh, man, here, can you believe this? Da-da-da-da. There's no fun facts. I went through all of IMDb. Unable to apprise his role is the only thing I read over and over again. Isn't Blade coming around the corner? I mean, isn't Snipes at his peak right now? 1994? Yeah, I mean, that's probably what it is, is at this point, Wesley Snipes, me. yeah, he's an A-list movie right. star, but, I mean, this is the movie that really gave you your shot. I don't even think he's credited in the in, in the open of the first one. Like, this movie is where you you get your first movie. If there's any movie that you're is willing to make. Is it New Jack City do, before this? I gotta go back and look. Let I me mean, look it up. Because the first Major League comes out in 89. I think New Jack City's New Jack like City's 91. 91. Yeah, yeah, New yeah, Jack City's right. 91. So that's, you got to do the sequel to this if they tell you they're going to do it. But at this point, I think But no right. disrespect to Omar Epps, who I think is a pretty solid number two. Normally when you lose someone with the star power of Wesley Snipes, now maybe Epps wasn't what he would become down the line, but I thought he did a, a pretty good job of not being identical to Willie Mays, make, or, uh, to uh, Wesley Snipes, made the character his own, and I, I loved him. Again, I was more of a Major League Two guy than a Major League One guy. Recorded it off the television as a little guy, so just watched it almost every single day. I I love Omar Epps and will stand for no slander. By the way, Wesley Snipes going through his filmography here. He does Major League One, and then he does Kings of New York, Mo Better Blues, New Jack City. Then he does White Man Can't Jump. He had a run. He had a run. Then he does Demolition Man. So there's... It may be money. Yeah, like, no, I think it is. Box I think, yeah, I think we're learning it's money now at this point. I think we're learning it's Like I money. said, the fun facts all just say he was unable to apprise his role. That's not really a fun fact. That's a known commodity. Roger Dorn has enough money to buy a major league team. He might be willing to go as high as 100. 120. 120? You just started at 110. 130. Rachel, this isn't fair. 140. 130. 150. We'll take it. Oh. You're good, Dorn. Even in the early 90s, Roger Dorn made enough in his career to buy the team. I'm guessing he found some sort of shysty way to come about that money because no. $150 million? Dorn had that kind of money in 94? No, 94. That, that, they, they weren't making that kind of money. Yeah, Dorn yes. probably made $12 million in his Major League Baseball career, but yet had 150 million. Yeah, stealing money 
at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, think about it. The the big contracts really didn't start until the late nineties. Yeah, this know, would be like a rod popping. You'll know this, Vern, because you're the Royals insider. When and who's the, the highest paid veteran just catching a check, dude, on the, that bad Royals team before John Sherman bought Ian it? Ian Kennedy. Ian Kennedy. Imagine if Ian Kennedy was like, guys, we were bad in nineteen. I now own the team. <laughs> that would be the wildest pivot of all time. And we are getting near that when it comes to I would say like the NBA, maybe some quarterbacks in the NFL. It's yes. thirty. Years too early, though. I'm gonna say they, they're right now buying pieces. They're buying like yeah. you know, Patrick Mahomes has in a little bit of the Royals and Sporting. It's not like it's not like at the end of the day, uh, JJ is like, hey, Patrick, here's where we're at with the team. Right. There's a billionaire involved. The Indians have just signed Jack Parkman. A crowd is outside. Spring training, excited to see Wild Thing Vaughn, but he is a completely new man, which is the theme of the movie. Appreciate y'all coming out. Good to see you. Yeah, nice outfits. Haircuts are cute. Benny, I thought you were still in jail. I escaped. boy. What do you say, big guy? See you in the show someday. Cute. Say it ain't so, Rick. Jake Taylor walks in like Tiger Woods at Augusta, and we get introduced to Rube, who is a fun new character. I liked Rube. He had like a certain level of purity to it that you just don't expect from a big league ball player. He did, but he's one of the litany of characters in this movie that would not fly in 2023. I think his obsession with playboys or anything that... I think this movie would be canceled pretty quickly in 2023. Rube is maybe the lightest of the reasons but he's one of many i got two fun facts here i'll do a, the rube one first rube's character was written based on the mets catcher mackie sasser who had been so bad at throwing out runners at second because of a mental block that people just stole ad nauseum on him i don't know who mackie sasser is i mean i can picture his baseball card there you go and that's why we got Vern here for that's this that's exactly why Vern's <laughs> here for this with the spring training scene was actually filmed in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. They used potted plants as palm trees to make it seem like Florida is spring training, but it was actually filmed in PA at a minor league baseball park. That's a good fun fact. I like that. When Omar Epps shows up, I don't know if we're going to... When he shows up in the limo... Who are they? They are our center fielder. One of the best scenes. Because he's been doing acting. That's the He's been doing a little... Black little, Hammer. Yeah. Black, that was the weirdest entourage I've ever seen. Just a weird <laughs> collection. Yeah, there was like an old lawyer-looking dude stepping out. Yeah, they had, they had someone from just about every genre climb out of that limo. It reminds me of that episode of Fresh Prince wherever... Uh, yeah. Carlton asked Jazz to fill up the peacock, and it's just these like weird assortment of people. That's kind of what that was like. Or in Fresh Prince when the elevator... Let's out after they're stuck on the elevator before Will's bachelor party. All the odd people that find themselves at Will Smith's bachelor party. That's a, an eclectic bunch as well. You guys know Fresh Prince a lot better than me. Those are two deep cuts. I love that show. <laughs> so Willie Mays Hayes shows up in a stretch limo. Jack Parkman is an asshole. Pedro Serrano <laughs> is hugging everybody. The Wild Thing has a new pitch, the Eliminator. Hey, what was that last pitch you threw me? Called the Eliminator. It's a combination screwball and split finger. You name your pitches now? Yeah. Sort of a marketing thing. You know, like Nolan Ryan's Express. I'm also working on a four-ball slider combination. Well, whatever happened to the boring old 96-mile-an-hour fastball? Terminator? Whatever. It'll be there when I need it. Jake, I don't want to become one of these one-year phenoms who burns himself out throwing nothing but gas. I gotta start thinking in terms of a career, not just a season. 
Why does he have cutesy names for it? I'm okay with him being like, yeah, he's developing new pitches. We couldn't use real baseball terms. It's a slider and a curveball. The old lady. The old lady's <laughs> trying to market him. She's trying to make money off this dude. You can still make money off he has a slider now. We don't have to say the eliminator, the whatever the other names are. I mean, if it works, though... Even if it works today, I'm talking real life. If, if Brady Singer starts naming his pitches and carving dudes up and that's going fair. to all-star games and Cy Young Awards, that's going to turn into coin in, in real life, let alone back then. That's I, do th- I do think that this part goes to show like the controlling nature of the girlfriend is she wants to market and brand every Everything. single mm-hmm. part of his life. Right. So he comes in. She's trying to get him the General Mills deal. He's naming all of his pitches now. She's trying to change his image. I actually thought that fit in line with kind of his storyline over the course of the movie. We learn about Rube's problem. We meet Vaughn's new girlfriend, who is a smoke show. I don't know what her name is in real life, but she was a baddie. We needed more of her in this. We see the trailer for Willie Mays Hayes' new movie. Mine fell the hardest. Mine of a dentist. <laughs> These guys play for keeps. Black Hammer, White Lightning. Coming to a theater near you. And that Hayes considers himself to be a power hitter. What? Hayes can... He's the fastest guy in the major league. Gerard Dyson now thinks he can just hit 45 home runs now of one summer. I feel like that's actually, again, uh, yeah. Rob, you mentioned this. The, the, the baseball themes mm-hmm. uh, are reflected in the real sport. How many times have you seen a guy... Uh, have a nice season. Nicky Lopez, uh, Whit Merrifield, Andrew Benatendi did it when he was in Boston. You have a nice season and you say, all right, how can I get better? Well, I can hit more home runs and then you forget who you truly were. And it's also the element of agents tell their players, you know, the long ball gets you paid. I imagine 100%. you have a nice you a nice 275 or whatever season Wesley Snipes' character is having as Willie Mays Hayes is a nice, hey, look, we found, you know, a speedy nine hitter. Do you know what's going to get him real money from Roger Dorn? Hitting the ball over the wall. So that's, I, I actually believed this storyline. Now, the fact that, he hits it literally to the track in spring training, and the whole everyone's like, must have been the wind, is actually hilarious to me as well. And the way he would lean back, assured <laughs> that the ball was going to go over the fence, it ultimately was duplicated. I mean, Lorenzo Cain would lean back after swinging uh, through one, sending it deep. It, it, it did have Lorenzo Cain at the dish, hitting a home run, did have Willie Mays Hayes vibes. Uh, unfortunately, Mays, of course, uh, w- would find the glove. It was a can of corn. <laughs> would he get a movie in real life? Like, you're telling me Kenny Lofton in 1995 is in an action movie. <laughs> no, with not the Kenny wrestler. Lofton, but okay, not in 1995, but Willie Mays and Mickey mm-hmm. Mantle, those guys were huge national stars. I mean, Willie Mays was a national star, you know, in these all white soap operas because everyone loved Willie Mays. Um, 1994, Barry Bonds, Ken Griffey Jr. was mm-hmm. in Fresh Prince. And Ken Griffey um, Jr. was in, uh, I mean, he started playing okay, himself but we think in that, that little big league. That's who Willie Mays Hayes is. He's Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah, Ken Griffey Jr. I think he thinks he's club. Ken Griffey Jr. There's no way after one good season that summer he is an but action he, movie But hero. he did a movie with Jesse the Body Ventura. Didn't Dennis Rodman do a real movie with he did. Jesse? So Double maybe, Trouble, I think, is the mm-hmm. name of it. Yeah, maybe... Maybe we're giving you're giving Willie Mays Hayes a lot here, Vern. You okay. know you're giving Willie Mays Hayes a lot. I can see Willie Mays. I mean, I don't think he'd be the. I I could see him being Ricky in a, Henderson. I I get that. I could see exactly. I could see him being in a a C level movie and showing the team like, hey guys, I'm a movie star now. When in reality, all you've done is Demolition Man four. But you know, 
Yeah, the only baseball guys that are actually in movies are just playing themselves, like all the little big league and rookie of the year, things like that. That's true. I don't don't remember, but you're right, Z-Dot. Not not many baseball players end up as the lead or the second lead in any movie. The first spring training game goes as expected. It's roster cutting time, and Jake finds out that they want him to be a coach. We're not carrying three catchers. We'd like you to stay on as a coach. We're going to need you. You'll make a great coach, Jake. Screw you, Doran. I'm not a coach. I'm a ball player. Why don't you just find some poor schmuck with his belly hanging over his belt and pastrami sticking out of his mouth? I'm done with baseball. This next scene where he declines, it feels like they just had to fit Rene Russo in there. It's like a 30-second they talk about it, but he's clearly going to take the job. It was just like, hey, we let's try to get as many characters from the first one back into this one. I didn't really think that we needed the quick... 20 seconds, Rene Russo, hey, take the job scene. I didn't think we needed that. Did Rene Russo get paid on this movie, basically? Because that, that's, the, that's the ultimate cameo. Show up, film, probably not even one day. Just come on, film, boom. Now you're going home, you're calling it a day. Also, you talk about the unbelievableness of the home run and the action movie. The fact that a guy goes through spring training and they say, hey, we want you to be the major league bench coach mm-hmm. is unbelievable to me. Like, I do think this movie does a good job, like the baseball elements, but this one's like, come on now. They don't have the veteran teach the kids guy become the bench coach. You you don't Not do then. that. Not then, but now it Mike Matheny, Brad Ausmus, these guys leave the field and go right to the bench. Yeah, I actually think they that's realistic. They don't spring training, though. <laughs> the thing I don't buy, and, and, and maybe it was like that before I started covering baseball, but the whole open up your locker, and if there's oh, a there's red tag, tag hanging, uh, you, you made the team or you didn't make the team. Uh, that there's just no way million-dollar athletes are going to have their egos checked in that fashion. That's not how it is. It's normally a, hey, come on back here. Let me, let me, let me bend your ear for a second, and then they break the news to them. It's photo time, and, and uh, Rick Vaughn runs into an old flame. That's a terrible picture they take there. <laughs> it's just the three people in the yeah. front. It's not like all the kids gather around. Yeah. A terrible picture. They then have a very awkward private adult conversation in yeah. front of these kids. Is that your new girlfriend? Yeah. She's also my agent. she like riding on your Harley? Don't tell me you sold the Harley. Lenny has been great for me. I'm not the bum I used to be. I kind of like the bum you used to be. Why are we talking about that? Why did you bring your jacket to the airport to get to him? Just a very awkward scene. This is the scene that actually you say like wouldn't happen in 2023. The Rick Von J. Leno, incredibly awkward scene. He goes on, he tells this very weird story. That's a scene. That's the most, there's no chance this could fly today. There's no chance that scene is in a movie today. So where does this reputation come from? I mean, from what I've read about you, I guess you, what, you had some mix-up as a kid with the cops, and is that something you want, to, you want to talk about? I saw this new Corvette, took it for a drive. Just kind of boys, being boys kind of thing? Through four states. Four states? Oh, that, that's a lot. It ended in a high-speed chase. Headed up there around 140 or so. When I got out of the car, the cop had a real attitude. They were going to throw the book at me, but my cousin dates a judge in Colorado. He's a transvestite. The judge or your cousin? The judge. Oh, um, let's take a little break. It's extremely awkward, but I do think it does a really good job. It doesn't work in 2023, but it's a really good job of portraying that he's trying to become the clean-cut superstar, but he still has the California pin background. It shows, like, the new girl is like, hey, we got to get you in right. front of Leno. And do-. So I think it works for the character. In real life, you're right. They, they can't put that in movies in 2023. To me, it, it continues to, to 
to highlight that she's the bad guy. That that the <laughs> she, new that, that, I never had viewed her that way. That's I'm what sorry. she is. <laughs> she's the one that's trying to ruin the fun. She's the real villain of the movie. That's what I think. Opening day. What's your favorite part about the opening day scene? There's about nine things that could happen. Bob Euchre, every time right. he is on there, he tells an incredible joke. Pedro Serrano hitting the bird and then running out to care for the bird and then make sure the bird is free and then the I don't know if it's the outfielder hands him the ball. There's so many things that are great about the opening day. What's your guys' favorite part of the opening day scene? Yeah, the the tap on the shoulder, placing the ball in his hand, and you know, excuse me, Mr. Serrano, but you're out. Serrano rounds first and heads for center field. Serrano kill a living thing. Forget the damn bird! Run! Run! He's alive. Martinez around third, heading for home, and so is the bird. Bye-bye, birdie. Oh, sorry, but you're out, Mr. Gandhi. That was really good, by the way, that, uh, my, my fun facts. In 2009, ironically, the Royals were playing against Cleveland at what was then Jacobs Field, and Sin Su Chu hit a seagull. So that actually is a thing that happens in Cleveland every once in a while, albeit well after this movie. Well, the Indians drop a tough one, 4-3, to three, as Pedro Serrano doubles off a pigeon. <laughs> And then is tagged out administering CPR before the tying run could score. It's a funny game, eh, Monty? Well, at least the bird survived. Who cares? It's a rat with wings. But my favorite part, like I said earlier, Randy Quaid. Randy Quaid is the perfect encapsulation of post-game show callers. That's the best way to describe it because he's all in. All the time, he and his buddies tapping his buddies like, oh, this is the year we're going to win the pennant. Even though you can tell he doesn't really like Parkman, Parkman's going to homer. He's like, ah, we love Parkman. He's the, he is the perfect encapsulation of opening day fan, opening day postgame caller fan. I was so excited. Yeah! Break out the champagne. It's in the bag. The fat lady has left the building. They lost the team. Burn it to the ground, guy. He's perfect to me. Well, that doesn't last very long because he very quickly turns on the team. Roger Dorn is having a cash flow problem. Stunner. (laughs) Vaughn's girlfriend turns him into Carlton Banks. I don't think that we needed the commercial. I don't think we needed it. I, I know it goes to show that he's trying to make this adjustment in his life. The commercial just didn't really hit for me. Him trying to say all those words didn't really make and sense. And you remember the commercial? You remember those Charles Barkley, the I right guard remember. commercials? And then he has so the, Those were a big deal. So that to me says this is how big of a, a, a deal the wild thing is. He's on par with the ones you're watching in real life with Charles Barkley and dubitably and all these words that he's trying to say at the end. I, I thought it was a nice reflection of society to kind of bring in what's going on in 1994 or whatever. Adora Forest, Ophelactory, Marinations. I like the commercial scene much better in the first one. The American Express where Willie Mays Hayes comes in and he slides in and, you know, can't steal home without it. I thought the commercial scene in the first one was much better than the commercial scene here. I think the commercial scene in the first one is the same because I think they continue to do what they're trying to do with Rick Vaughn. Like talked about with Jay Leno. He's he's just not clean cut. He's just not polished. And like the idea of him trying to say that and not getting it. Oh, and like you see the producer, director, I don't know how commercial shoot works, just getting more and more frustrated. I'm like, it just further encapsulates what they're doing with Rick Vaughn's character. So I liked I liked both. I I enjoyed what it was for the scene. I don't. And you show up. You show up expecting to see or hoping to see more wild thing, and it continues to Mm -hmm. rob you of that. So you distaste 
for uh, the blonde just continues to grow. Her, you calling her the villain has like broken the third wall for me. I'm like, holy cow, she is the villain of this movie. I thought Parkman was the villain the entire time. Parkman, I think, is the villain. No, no because her. at this point, his little shimmy still drives the women in Cleveland. Yeah, nuts. but he's still a douche. Like he calls uh, Jake Taylor an old man. He does all the stuff that is douchey veteran stuff. Although the fan, he, he he passes the eye test more, maybe more than anybody else in the cast. Jack Parkman looks like you're writing his name in the three spot for your offense every single day. I love Parkman in this movie. Like, I know Parkman's supposed to be the villain. I love this character. When he is leaving the field and they ask him, hey, what do you think about the team? And he says that they're losers rather by birth or natural selection. I think that part is just absolutely hilarious. Being new to the club, how do you feel about the way things have gone for the Indians so far? I'm the only winner on the team. The rest of them are losers, either by choice or by birth. So Rick gets demoted to the bullpen. He still stinks. The loyal fans are starting to turn on the team. You rotten bums! You overpaid winners! My old thing! You make my butt sting! I detest you! You're all garbage! All of you! Back at the truck! Back it up! Jack Parkman gets traded to Chicago after cooking the boys in that interview, and now we get a new outfielder Rachel Phelps is back Lou Brown gives a passionate speech before having a heart attack and now Jake Taylor is the manager of the team Taylor it's not your job to make excuses that's all you guys do good it's either a leg thing or a spiritual thing or a psychological thing or a heart attack who used heart attack me you want to talk about a full circle moment. Jack Taylor starts as the catcher, and then by game 57 is the actual manager of the team. What a comeuppance. The other thing about this series is when Roger Dorn trades him, he says one of the reasons he trades him is he can't afford his salary. How much do you think Jack Parkman was making where the owner was like, i got to get this salary off the books and bring in an investor? Parkman must have been making an amazing number by the time. I also like how he's like, I got you a player from the Giants. And Lou Brown's like, oh, and starts naming guys. And it's Tanaka. That's the best part. The best is how a drunk Bob Euchre says, Isuro Kamikaze Tanaka. (laughs) (laughs) And so Hiroshi Kamikaze Tanaka, recently of the Tokyo Giants, knocks himself cold for the second time this week. Maybe in Japan that's actually better than catching the ball. Personally, I think he's just trying to get out of the lineup. Can't just gloss over this. uh, Again, the guy catches the ball barehanded uh, and and ultimately, we'll get to it, ultimately brings the team together. Mm -hmm. Who's your favorite new character in this movie? It has to be a player on the team. I'm just going to continue to say Randy Quaid was perfect to me because Randy Quaid encapsulates like what fans are. I mean, they are all in when things are good. They are all the way out when things are bad. And when things start to turn, they don't believe it. And then when it does turn, you're all the way back in. Like, maybe it's just the post-game callers or the Twitter world and, like, regular fans aren't this way. And if I went to 81 baseball games, I wouldn't see a Randy Quaid character. But I know that this fan is. It's called Twitter. I see this fan every Royals game. It's called Twitter Royals. So I loved Randy Quaid as a new character. Yeah, I think Parkman's the answer because, A, he – well, for me, he's the answer because he uh, – continues the proper reflection of what the game actually looks like as I'm growing up as a baseball fan. And then just a, a few of the lines. You you gave one right there. The old boy's fired up when he's standing in there against Charlie Sheen at the end of the movie. The, you know, get off the tracks when the train's coming through. Uh, he, he just delivered. 
every single time. Even the way he put the sunglasses on, he becomes the villain still with the booty shake with the White Sox. Yeah, I'll say Parkman if I can't say uh, Omar Epps. Um, I, because it is the same character, but I thought he put a little different twist on it. Roger Dorn is now a player slash general manager, so J.J. Piccolo is now playing for the Kansas City Royals. He's so proud he brought himself back. He's like, I got you a third baseman. Okay, who is it? Me. Oh, boy. <laughs> He's basically the Bill Russell of baseball. right? Bill Russell was the, the coach, the, the highest paid player, and also, you know, I'm sure could bend Red Arbach's ear to make him make some moves, so... Yeah, I think we say Dorn is Bill Russell. I Sands think that's fair. the talent. I would say Russell is probably a better player at the end than you Dorn think so. is. You, that's you think true. So. I never really got to see Dorn in his prime. Though. That's fair. We never D- saw Dorn. Dorn. Dorn's a better player than they've given him a credit for this so. entire, <laughs> entire series. I would hope so, or else he's just been stealing money for years. <laughs> yeah, you're just telling me that Dorn, like they didn't even trust Dorn enough. He couldn't even play on a Sunday. You just have this 25th guy on your roster that just you never put him in under any circumstance. Dorn was getting treated poorly here. <laughs> Maybe Dorn was like, uh, you know, Gordo pre-home run, right? The, 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 the Gordo that Kansas City fell in love with and then just wanted it too much and wasn't able to put it together a la Gordo as well. Tanaka confronts Serrano about his spirituality and delivers the line of the movie. You have no manners! Rick Vaughn is scared to go to the oh. bullpen. Because Randy Quaid has been cooking him <laughs> for about 15 minutes in this movie. You make my butt sting. You didn't think I'd abandon you, did you, bud? You human piece of cow flop. You big steaming pile of mastodon dung. Bring out the pooper scooper. Huh? Hey, where are you going, Vaughn? Huh? You looking for your Terminator, Vaughn? There's a fight amongst the players. They start fighting each other. Good news, fans. The Indians are showing signs of life for the first time in weeks. As a matter of fact, they appear to be beating the crap out of each other. It looks like Willie Hayes is trying to hit Rick Vaughn. And why not? Everybody else in the league does. He swings and misses. I don't know, Monty. It looks like Vaughn's carrying his left a little low. This could hurt him in the later rounds. This was a good scene, too. This is where I feel like the movie really starts cooking. From the fight on, I really feel like the movie gets cooking here. So Willie Mays Hayes tells Rube that he's jealous he doesn't have to play the second game of the doubleheader. This is, now we get a pa- our first passionate speech of the movie. Rube gives the, you know what, I just love playing baseball. I can't believe you wouldn't want to play baseball. Second game of the doubleheader, at least for the first eight innings, doesn't do anything for Cleveland. They're down one to nothing. But Rube guts it out and gets on first. Willie Mays Hayes finally appears, stealing second, third, and home. Tanaka then stands up and goes, challenges Serrano, who responds by hitting a game-winning home run. Now the movie is off. The Indians are back, baby. I still quote the, it's a good bitch, all the time. (laughs) At at Kauffman Stadium, whenever... You know, Boobich breaks off a nice slider. You see a nasty changeup from Zach Granke. It's a, it's a good pitch. I really enjoyed this. Is the fight didn't like they're like the umpires like we can't throw them out. They're fighting each other like that time scene. Rube does have the come on guys where Jake Taylor lets him cook. The idea that Willie Mays Hayes is available to pinch run for Rube is confusing to me. Your everyday center fielder is just coming in off the bench. That well, was he confu- just got into a fight. And, <laughs> and, and, that's and fair. Let, let's be honest, the organization hasn't been, in my opinion, fair. To Willie Mays Hayes. I think he just needed a little bit of encouragement because him running into an extra 10 to 15 bombs a season, I think, benefits that Cleveland's in, Cleveland Indians team. And if you look in that clubhouse, 
you know, Charlie Sheen's not backing him up until the fight starts. Nope. Not really getting the type of support from the coaching staff, uh, his teammates, and obviously not the front office. So I was team Willie Mays Hayes in that fight. You really, uh, you really like Omar Epps' character in this I movie. Yeah, 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 you're making a lot. You're, you really like Willie Mays Hayes here. Right I, out of the gate, they give him a hard time. So what? He took care of himself this offseason. <laughs> I really like Charlie Sheen where he's limping and he says, I have a serious leg injury. And Charlie Sheen says, that's the best acting you've done all year. It's so good. The gutless wonder doesn't have to pitch. Why should I have to run? Who are you calling a gutless wonder, Tin Man? Tin Man? I got a genuine leg injury here, pal. Yeah, that limp is the best acting you've done all year. But at least I don't have some cover girl dragging me around by my junts. Vaughn breaks up with his old lady after overhearing a conversation. Now he's back to that old thing. Got to get that old thing back. We knew that was going to happen eventually. He's been sitting Cle- there marinating. Cleveland is back. This is one of my favorite parts about a sports movie, the We Are Winning montage. I love a good We Were Bad. Newspaper headlines. Now we're finally winning montage. I love those. Randy Quaid just continues. Every time Rick Vaughn is on the screen in an Indian's uniform, Randy Quaid is cooking him. How can Rick Vaughn hear Randy Quaid so clearly every single time? Vile thing! Mr. Choke thing! You make everything embarrassing! You think that right now you could get that in in yes. a in a, in a yes. ball player's head that much? Yes. You think yes. you could get in that, especially in the bullpen, hundred percent. And this is back when, even though they're starting to do a little winning, I don't think Cleveland has bought back into the winning. So, uh, not not the rolls my catch astray here. I apologize, but we know a day game where they're not playing great. It's a little bit sparse. If you stood outside the bullpen and just rained hell on one of those guys, they even would hear packed. it. I think even if it's packed, it's it's it's. It, it, Yes, it's loud, but it's mainly conversations. It's people clapping, people screaming, sure. But if you direct it at someone saying their name, uh, yeah, I, I think even in the postseason, at Kaufman, anywhere in the big leagues, I think you can get the attention of a reliever and get in their head. Cleveland wins the division. Rick Vaughn says, fuck those kids. I'm not, I'm not eating you guys' cakes. <laughs> can, we, can we real quick give some credit? Full, full Jordan. You know, yeah, I, I mentioned not... the coaching staff stifling Willie Mays Hayes early on they end up giving the players the freedom because, look, they're making a postseason chase, and to allow your outfielder to spike his glove, do a spin, mm-hmm. and bare hand catch the 27th out and not feel worried mm-hmm. about the ramifications from the manager uh, to possibly be benched the next day, credit to that coaching staff, credit to that bench for kind of lightening on the, the reins on these players. I mean, Jake Taylor knows how to push the buttons. Yeah. He, he yeah. pushed the buttons right a couple of gotta different times. got to let them times. be themselves. Yeah, he pushed the button right a couple of times. Rick Vaughn skips out on the kids as they made them a nice cake. What a puke it. He didn't even have no cake. Playoff time, and Rachel Phelps is practicing psychological warfare. She goes in there, and she just... I know you all hate me. Um. And given what's happened in the past, I can't say I blame you. Oh, you hit 122 with runners in scoring position. Just an evil mastermind. Getting handfuls of backsides. I did not like she came back as a character. Maybe that's a hot take. I feel like this movie had enough villains and enough storyline, enough stuff. Or they, I understand how they wrote her in and how they brought her back because of Doran's cash flow <laughs> and the whole deal. I get it. 
but it seemed forced. It seemed like, do we really need Rachel Phelps back? Do we really need that? We have other elements. We have other villains. I think Parkman's villain. You think the blonde chick with Charlie Sheen's the villain. We don't need to bring back the villain from number one. We're good. I thought it was kind of lazy just to bring her back, basically for just this scene. Like, she exists, this scene, psychological warfare, and now everyone's like, oh, Rachel Phelps on her head again. Why'd she come back? Why? To me, it continues to make Dorn look like... Just a pathetic SOB. <laughs> he comes in all sad and mopey because he's got no money and he had to sell it back to this woman that everybody hates. To, to me, it just continues to make Roger Dorn look like the guy in the corner. Also, can you imagine selling back to the previous owner? Can you imagine if like Mark yeah. Cuban was like, nah, screw this. I'm giving it yeah. back to whoever owned the Mavs before. That's the wild. Why would the person want it back? That makes no sense to me. Would Rick Vaughn even be on the playoff roster? He's been terrible the entire year. At no point in the movie until the final scene was Rick Vaughn effective. Not one single time. Would he even be on the playoff rotation? Would he even be in the... You would trust that guy in the 7th, 8th, or ninth well, inning in a playoff game. that one gray-haired lefty that's just throwing 88-mile-per-hour yeah. puss up <laughs> Jamie there. Jamie Moyer. <laughs> they, yeah. they only have one starter, so listen, they had to have a... <laughs> listen, we might need him for one batter. We might need him for a right-hander late in a postseason game. Yeah, when you can bring it up to the triple digits, we got a spot. Uh, I don't know if we're going to rush you into the first... High pressurized situation in the postseason, but yeah, yeah, he's, he he makes the wild things on the roster. He's Even also if he's not the wild thing. Yet. He's also buddy buddy with his former teammate, the now manager, who I assume goes to bat for. And oh, is, great point. Although he's not buddy buddy with the owner because he slept with the owner's wife and the now third baseman in the previous movie. But he was palling around with Jake Taylor just a movie ago. You think Jake's gonna make the tough decision to send him down? Yeah, no, yeah, he's an, yeah the fracture that would send through the clubhouse if he didn't make the postseason roster. That's a great point. Cleveland is falling apart, and Taylor finally gives Vaughn the speech that he needs. It. He shows up at his house, and he just tells him, Yo, you've been playing weak. You used to be the toughest guy on this team. Now you're trying to prop yourself up with the right woman or the right shrink or God knows what else. You want to be a major league pitcher? You have to find something in yourself that's yours and nobody else's. You had that once, Rick. And if I were you, I'd spend the rest of the night trying to find it again. Without it, you're no good to me or the team. You're worried about the wrong things. Where's the kid that was hungry last year? Vaughn, like most people, doesn't want to hear good sound advice, but eventually he listens. How long has Lou Brown been in the hospital? <laughs> Lou Brown was in the hospital for a heart attack for five months. And was bouncing around yeah. very quickly afterward. Had a heart attack uh, that he predicted and mm -hmm. told everybody, this is a heart attack and I'm going down. Um, goes to the hospital is apparently not attached to anything because he can jump up on the bed, bounce around, scream, hoot, and holler. And apparently at no point other than Jake Taylor does anyone go and visit him because every time we see him in the hospital, he's by himself. <laughs> this man has no family. This man has no friends other yeah. than baseball. Other than the nurses being like, are you okay? I, I love this shit when he yeah. points to the uh, soap opera. like he, No one visits him other than Jake Taylor. You don't think Serrano or anyone's like, you know what, I'm going to visit the old skipper. Nope. Don't have time. And where the hell is this hospital <laughs> that the television's only in French or English? You know, English, uh, you know, some... some BBC type show. Exactly. We, we can't flip on a Braves game? I know you got TBS. They yeah. got to have something here. I'm just trying to wonder how the Indians are 32 and 31 when he goes in the hospital. And he is still in the hospital for game seven of the ALCS. Yeah. This is the longest hospital stint. 
that I've ever it's good seen. Good insurance, man. It's mm-hmm. Game seven, and Parkman is still cooking Cleveland. The shimmy just gets me every time he does it. Dorn finally gets in the game. He gets hit by a pitch, and he doesn't want to come out of the game. Pedro Serrano, when he hits the home run and then goes around the bases, and he calls him a grasshopper. Look at that score. Board now. He says it so disrespectful. Yeah, so fly, though. Just so fly when he calls him a grasshopper. And the way that he stepped it had some AI over Ty Lue. The Parkman shimmy, the whole deal. It's it's very, very fun. You know, I don't think there's actually this much trash talk in baseball game seven, but I enjoyed it very much. You mentioned that home run. There's just, well, I was going to say there's just no way you can have that long of a career and be unable to hit a breaking ball. Um, <laughs> and yet, you know, there's a few guys right now that we've all watched that have a rough go when it comes to the breaking ball. But uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that Pedro turned on one. I assume he's seven, eight, nine years deep into this career, right? Mm-hmm. For him to be that lost as he mm-hmm. was is stunning. Odd. Do they have any other pop? And the, they stuck in, with him. In the yeah, that's lineup. maybe a guy you bail on. We only know about, what three hitters, four hitters in the lineup. Period. We yeah. know about Tanaka. We know about Serrano. We know about Mays Hayes. That's the extent of our oh, and Rube. We know those are the hitters in the lineup. I just don't see anybody Rube's else with hitter. any pop. Yeah. yeah, I don't see any pop. Well, Mays Hayes one, thought he had pop. That one guy Martinez is always on base every time. Every yeah. time somebody's on base, yeah, Martinez on base, he's is like on the base. Carlos Santana. <laughs> yeah, just get up and on his on base hitting, percentage. And is no, no, no highlights, but he could draw a walk. Yeah, his on base percentage is crazy. When Wild Thing finally comes back and the girl runs to put over the tape, that three minutes is incredible. He wants the writing, the vile thing, the grab your throat and choke thing. Blow it out your ass, lard mouth. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god, it's him. Crank it, Jerry. The crowd, how into it they are, the walk, he's got the jacket, he goes up to the manager and says, I want Parkman, I'll walk him, I don't care. That's the best scene in the movie, and it's not even close. It's him, Randy Quaid. Yeah, Randy Quaid. Screaming, it's him, it's, it's he's him. back. He then takes the hat and puts it back right side, he's inside out, he goes back to the Cleveland hat, he's ready to go, the wild thing thing plays, and you see him, like, the glasses come back on. He's, oh, for the first time in the 90-minute movie, Wild Thing's back. Charlie Sheen has a point in this movie again. Here we go. He does, like, I'll walk him. I don't care. Give me Parkman. I want Parkman. Well, Parkman's out up. Beck's the hitter. I'll walk him. And load the bases for Parkman? What are you, nuts? I want Parkman. Can you imagine that sentence? On, hey, uh, Parkman, I'm, I'm taking Parkman, okay? A week ago, you couldn't get anyone out, so I don't know if we're going to give you the best hitter. Nice that he found some confidence. I am curious to know how... It's like 10 little kids and this one lady. Uh, how are they getting these tickets so consistently? Because <laughs> we're now into the postseason. Those mm-hmm. ticket prices normally go up, and she's just taken. None of them are hers, right? She's a, a teacher. A I thought you were to the group worker. home, maybe. That's yeah. kind of the thought I got. Yeah. It was like some boys and, and girls club. she's springing for 10 ducats front <laughs> row. <laughs> Uh, in the outfield, Charlie Sheen hooked him home up. Run? Charlie Sheen hooked him up. He's also gonna. He's also gonna he give fifteen. Him up. He, he, they he were said, there before they even remembered. 
Yeah, and he was early. Used to get if he it. was hooking them up, then how come he was like, fuck them kids earlier? He, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to hook you up with tickets, and then when it's time to do something nice, screw you guys, I'm out of here. They come also, on up. And I also, like, if you have that many kids, you can't only have one chaperone. There has to be another <laughs> chaperone with you. You have 15 teenage boys. Right. There was no girls. There's only one woman in charge of all of them. That woman would go crazy. And obviously yeah. mature kids because of the kind of conversations you yep. have in front of them. I'm going to say, those kids seem to be abundantly aware of their supervisor's sex life like no other kid I ever experienced. We get the confrontation we've all been waiting for. We get Wild Thing Vaughn up against Parkman. Parkman strikes out. He then declines the General Mills deal. He gets his old thing back right there in front of the kiddos. Of course Cleveland is going to the World Series. Who do you think Cleveland plays in the World Series, and do you think they win the World Series? So it's 94. I could easily see this being the literal 95 World Series between Cleveland and Atlanta, right? I mean, Atlanta was a beast at this time. Real quick about the General Mills thing. They've been hinting at this General Mills deal for nine months of baseball. Angling. Either crap or get off the pot on this deal. <laughs> How are you drag? Well, I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm not signing with General Mills. Okay, well, they pulled that offer back in April when you stunk. There's not, you're not talking about it in spring training and getting it in October. Roger Clemens hawking Wheaties now. Right. <laughs> exactly. And they're not going to be like, hey, we'll just keep waiting. We'll just see if you're interested still in June, July, August. No, that deal is... He can decline all he wants. That deal's dead. It's gone before he declines it. I don't even know why you would turn down the cereal. He's like, I don't eat cereal anyway. So you can't be on the it's Wheaties money. box? Yeah, you can't be on the Wheaties box? He already kicked Blonde to the curb. Now, she mm. may have been annoying, but she was quite the meal ticket. She hooked you up with some money. You might want to find other avenues for uh, revenue now that you kicked her to the curb. But, no, I think you're right with the Atlanta Braves is who they play. Uh, yeah, I, I think they win it. I've never seen the, the next edition of Major League, so I don't know if we actually Don't watch Major our... League 3. Don't, Major okay. League 3 is not even about this team. It's about a minor league affiliate of the Twins. So we never get the satisfaction of knowing how Cleveland sounds sees like, it. sounds like, Vern, you have to come back so we can do Major <laughs> League 3 is what well, it sounds that, like. That has to be a bad movie because this is a terrific one. Uh, and, and you said it, it is poorly rated. 5.6 on IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes. The film holds an approval rating of 5% with an average rating of 3.3 out of 10. The site's critics consensus state striking out on every joke. Major League Two is a lazy sequel that belongs on the bench. I don't think this strikes out on every joke. Bob Euchre, if anything, carries the film comedically. To your point, Rob, Randy Quaid's hilarious in this. Mm -hmm. Bob Euchre's hilarious. And I think the new characters are actually a nice addition here. I think this is overly critical of the movie. Yeah, I, 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 I liked Major League Two, and I don't. I understand why it's not as good as Major League One, and it's not one of those sequels you go, "Wow, they took something great and built on it." Like I know it's a different, very different genre, but Empire Strikes Back from Star Wars, they took a good Star Wars, made it better. They didn't do this, but I think it's unfairly criticized. I mean, there's some elements from like Rachel Phelps coming back. It's kind of lazy, but I liked Major League Two. The facts under six to me is actually very surprising. Yeah, to me, it's it's a lot like uh, Wayne's World 2. To me, Wayne's World was great. Wayne's World 2, they tried to duplicate it, and it was obviously a lesser-than version, but still very much um, entertaining. Yeah, uh, start to finish, uh, you know, I, 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 I liked, as, as a young baseball fan, it, it, it felt very real and you know, the, the, the handshake between Willie Mays Hayes mm -hmm. and Charlie Sheen in the middle of the field after they win the pennant. I remember doing that with my buddies on the diamond afterward.
A columnist for the LA Times wrote, quote, if that basic plot is at the core of just about every sports movie ever made, a slight variation often fuels their sequel. The team, spoiled by success, starts to get cocky, distracted by the temptation to fame, and loses sight of the things that made it a winner in the first place, only to regain its balance in time for the rousing big game finale. The movie is super predictable. Like, if there's one overarching criticism about the movie, it's that. You know from the you know in the first five minutes exactly what's gonna happen at almost every single step of the way of the movie. It never really throws a curveball by you. It never really surprises you. This movie did, I would say, kind of go a little bit of the lazy way out. It took basically all the characters you like from the first one. We brought them back. We have to add a couple of new characters. But the core of the movie is very, very predictable. Yeah, I mean, it's a little cut and paste in the first one. But I would say a lot of sports movies are kind of cut and paste. There's, like, different elements and angles they do. But, like, a lot, every sports movie kind of has the same character arc, kind of has the same storyline. So this is a sports movie. I would also say a lot of times sequels and comedies try to do the exact same thing. So I go into it, hey, I know it's going to be the exact same thing I just saw, but I enjoyed the first one, so I'm on board. Like, I went and saw Hangover 2. Yeah, it's worse. But I wasn't going to be like, they did the same thing. They ruined a good thing. I knew it was going to be the same thing. Comedic sequels, baseball movies are all kind of the same flow. So I'm not mad about it being what I knew. And I feel like there were so many lines that Bob Euchre delivered that end up becoming legendary that people attribute to Major League One or just mm-hmm. the, the, um, the, the umbrella of, of Major League uh, that, that people don't understand that a lot of the lines that live on came from Major League Two. So to me, it's an extension of the first one that really builds the brand major league and allows them to make two more what appear to be bad movies <laughs> just make two more bad movies. this is when uh, we give a couple of awards here when a hero comes along give us a person or scene that you thought tried to save the movie i think there's only really two candidates here it's either randy quaid or it's bob euchre i mean i thought they carried the movie maybe jack parkman is somebody you can nominate for when a hero comes along i think it's one of those three though yeah, I'm gonna. I mean, I'm saying it the whole time. I'll say Randy Quaid is like the he does. He encapsulates the fan perfectly. He plays the perfect foil when it's like he's back, he's back. I think like Randy Quaid makes this movie because instead of like in the first one, they have all the scenes of like the uh, I, I believe they're Japanese like field crew. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, they're they're good shit again. They're again. shit now. They're shit again. They don't have that character. Randy Quaid plays that person, but as the fan's perspective. So I think. It's the same thing, but it's like a little bit differently done, and Randy Quaid cranks it to a 10. This is probably when Randy Quaid is probably at his highest, too, because Independence Day is, what, three, four years away from coming out? He plays essentially the same crazy, kooky character. I say he's the one hero arrives. Cover the field. I can't watch this anymore. It's over. Turn the lights on. Let's get the bulldozers in here and turn this place into a parking lot. No, it, it, to me, it's, it, it is Bob Euchre as far as the, the star, the guy that does save the movie. Uh, Roger Dorn has done a little redecorating around the ballpark. The outfield now looks like the yellow pages. <laughs> Any of you folks having trouble finding a good proctologist might want to come down here and check out the area around the 375 foot sign. Well, fans, Roger Dorn has done a little redecorating around the ballpark. The outfield walls now look like the yellow pages. And any of you folks having trouble finding a good proctologist might want to come down here and check out the area around the 375-foot sign. As for the game, we got a real nail-biter here tonight. It's a lot closer than that 11-2 score. 
And that's also dynamite drop-in money comes mm-hmm. from Major League Two. Uh, it, and, and again, I, I assume that 60 70% of what made it in the movie was ad-libbed by Euchre because those are the stories that you hear in the years that have gone and by. This is also the movie where he does the, uh, maybe it was the Eliminator, it doesn't matter, it's a see-you-later for Vaughn with the home run. <laughs> that looked like the Terminator, only slower. Maybe it was his out-of-stater, or it could have been the hibernator. That baby is definitely going away for the winter. Whatever for Vaughn, it might be see-you-later, he's probably going to become a spectator. Doing too much, a scene, person, or thing in the movie you thought was doing too much. Rachel Phelps, probably the right answer. I thought that Parkman was enough of a villain that we didn't need to bring back Rachel Phelps. It's not the same storyline as the first one. The first one, she wants to be bad so they can sell the team. She's just around so you can bring back so many of the same characters. I don't think the movie needed Rachel Phelps. I also think, though, I don't really know if there's many things that qualify for the doing too much. I think this movie is better if they just replace Omar Epps with Wesley Snipes because he's just a bigger star. If they just made that one switch, I think this movie is better received. I'm going to say that was my doing too much, and I was prepared for Vern to yell at me because apparently he's the world's biggest Omar Epps fan. But I think Omar Epps was the answer. I mean, Omar, it, it feels disjointed at times because it's not you're missing one singular character i went through his imdb earlier i get why after demolition man you're not signing up for major league two i get that but if he comes back to this movie just feels more synergized for a corporate war it just seems to flow better and i think he has more star power you can kind of get into the willie mays hayes bag a little more i think not to not omar epps fault just however they failed to get uh him uh him back i think that's the biggest miss so wesley snipes and snot in it is my doing too much. The heart attack scene for Lou Brown to me was doing too much. Where he's like, it's an ankle thing or a mental thing or a heart attack thing. Like, and, that, and then they sit around and don't pick up on it. They're like, hey, <laughs> who's having a heart attack here, Skip? Me. Oh, that that whole scene was doing a little bit too much. And then he goes in the hospital for the next seven months. <laughs> yeah, Lou, Lou yeah. Brown just never, yeah. never ever checks out of the hospital. He really liked that BBC show. That must have been the key. I love this shit. That's what was, that's what was keeping you there. 5.6 on IMDb. Too little, too much, just right, Vern, on the score. 5.6. Uh, too little. Yeah, to, to me, it's at least a 7.5. 7.5? 7 is high. Real high. Real I understand, high. but... And I say that when, in my own mind, it's a nine. But <laughs> you got I, yeah, no, I, I understand. understand the situation. You know, Major League One's a seven point two, right? Oh yeah, no, I, I bumped <laughs> that up to an eight. You're sticking with the number. Bumped that up to an eight. Major League Two, uh, seven point five. I also I like Vern scale. Yeah, I also agree. This is too low. I. I thought I was going to be the one who liked this movie a lot more. I'm happy Vern was in here. I come <laughs> off as the, the straight laced. Okay. I think 7.5 is too high, but I think it should be above a 6. It's not as good as the 7.2 for Major League One, but this is a strong 6.5, 6.6, 6, 6, 6.7. It's a little formulaic, but all sequels are a little formulaic. So I think, I think under a 6 is far too low and far too harsh by critics. No, this, this should be like a 6.5, 6.6. 6. Yeah, 5.6 is too low for this movie. If you like the first one, there's no I don't reason know like how this you one. don't like this. The analogy I would make with Omar Epps is Fresh Prince changed whenever they lost the original Aunt Viv. It's just a different show. Like, the new Aunt Viv just isn't in on the jokes. Like, the first Aunt Viv's funny. Like, she's part of the comedic humor. The second one wasn't. That's kind of how this feels a lot to me. I still love the later years of Fresh Prince. But it's just different with a different Aunt Viv. 
I feel like that's what happened here with Omar. I think this movie is properly received if they just bring back Wesley Snipes. Pay the extra $7 million that you want. At that point, he's a major box office draw. You can say that you brought back everybody from the first movie. There's just something a little corny about Omar Epps here. Like, he's just not as suave. He's not as cool as as Wesley Snipes is. So I, and, that, and that ends up ultimately showing the money grab that these kind of movies are. Yeah, mm-hmm. they could if they wanted to uh, beat Major League One numbers. Yeah, possibly overpay Wesley Snipes. But no, this was I wonder just a classic money grab. We'll never know. But I mean, I imagine Charlie Sheen this time is not a cheap get, right? Is this Charlie Sheen? may not peak Charlie Sheen, but Charlie Sheen's probably doing big movies too. Like they afford to bring him back. You How can't can even I- do it if you don't bring Buck. Uh, if you, if, yeah. If, if you don't but bring back also, both of just, them, you can't do the movie. That's just the... you got to yeah. have one of the others. Like, let's say Wesley Snipes does it, but Charlie Sheen doesn't do it. It's a little different, you know, the same way. Yeah. But you can't not have Wild Thing and you don't have him back for the movie. Like, you, what are we doing here? Then just wasting everybody's time. Yeah. Uh, may, may I'm wrong, because I'm looking at his IMDb, Charlie Sheen. After Major League One, he does a stuff, bunch of stuff I've never heard of. Navy SEALs, Catch Fire, Navy Courage Seals. Mountain. He was so happy to get that call to do Major League Cadence. So he couldn't wait. Now, he did do Hot Shots and Hot Shots. I already got my part, hair cut. <laughs> hot Shots and Hot Shots Part 2 are kind oh, of yeah. funny. but He couldn't wait to put those glasses on again. He couldn't yeah. wait. He did Loaded Weapon, which is a parody of Lethal Weapon. He did Beyond he did the Law. Parody, he did The Three Musketeers, oh, The God, Chase. Is that all he did? This, How is he so famous? Where's his dad at during this? You uh, can't he, help him out? He's doing nothing of note. His brother's cooking in Mighty Ducks, no though. Doubt. Emilio, yeah. I mean, honestly, look at when his IMDb. Young Guns? IMDb, you're looking at his IMDb page, like where? where yeah, I'm this? trying to figure out why Charlie Sheen's such a big deal with the IMDb. Young so maybe was, they didn't have to pay him because you know, you I mean, know how it goes in Hollywood. You got to pay Wesley Snipes or Charlie Sheen. They're normally going to go with the white dude. I'm going to say he did. He but did, if he's not making Wesley Snipes type of money, they could have afforded. He did Wall Street '87, Young Guns '88, Major League '89. Well, That's was, his run. He was running in the late '80s, and then after Major League Two, it's not like he found a bunch of great. Or, Films he did The Arrival, All Dogs Go to Heaven. He had a cameo on Friends, Shadow Conspiracy, Loose Women, Bad Day on the Block. Has anyone heard of these movies? No Code of Conduct. I'm just scrolling through to see if I know anything. So when the hell did he get all this tiger blood? That didn't show up until... He did Being John Malkovich in 99. When he became John Malkovich is when he got the tiger blood. And he was on Spin City for a long time in 2000. Mm, Yeah, that was the welcome back. And then he did a couple of the scary movies, and then that's when he re-arrived with uh, Two and a Half Men. He scared people because he was doing all those drugs back in the day, Mm -hmm. right? I'd give this movie a 6.3. I think 5.6 is a little too low. I think it's a... What do you give the first one? I think it's fair. Like a 7, 7.5, somewhere. I mean, the first one is perfect. I think the Mm -hmm. first one, you could argue, is like the best baseball movie. You know, like that's one of those, you start the year on opening day. This is a worthy sequel. 6.3. Like, this is not a movie that we should be reviewing. It should be outside of the purview of... Mm -hmm. 5.6 is low. 5.6 is low for this movie. Uh, Overly critical, I think, of it. This movie's like a... 6.1, 6.3, 6.1, 6.3, somewhere in that range. How much of the cancelable uh, aspects of the movie do you think plays into that? I don't, I don't know how much. I, I don't really follow the the ratings, but yeah, I but wonder how much the I think generation I think the, of you know. I think the ratings probably are hurt because I think people when they see a sequel expect to build and go above and beyond, and they grade it on a curve. You're not better than the first one, so you stink. You're awful. You can be worse than the first one, but still good. But I think people 
with all sequels. Sequel comes out, it's worse than the first one, and then we find reasons as a society to pummel it. I don't think it's the cancelable thing, especially in 94. Now, maybe in 2023, when Yuka right. calls Tanaka Kamikaze, right. but I think, I think it's because the first one's so good that we unfairly judge this one on a curve of it's a disaster because it's not as good but as the first. But it made money. It did right. make money. It, it did well at the time. I just wonder if it's aged poorly and the people that are voting on... I don't think voting it's, it as such. There are there are comedies from that era that have aged worse. I think it ages okay. Yeah, you're right. There, I think there are a few things a you got to cut. Movie, yeah. I think you got to cut a few things, but because Bob Euchre is such a bit character, like the things where he does, like the drinking and the calling Tanaka Kamikaze Tanaka, which are objectively cancelable, I think are su- cranked to such a tin that people see it as parody and not true, like. Thing. I don't think this is the most cancelable 90s movie we'll do. Harry Doyle's got a little Charles Barkley to him where we yeah. give you a little bit longer of a leash. Give you a little leeway. I was just happy that I love original sports movies. I hate that we've gotten to this part of you know film right now where every sports movie is based on a true story. Yes. Or it's you know like Creed. Like I just watched Champions over the weekend. I just like watching original sports movies. And that's right. to me like... What I think we've lost, the 90s, there's so many of those movies. You know, White Men Can't Jump, Major League, Sandlot. There's so many of those movies from this era. I I like Major League, too. I'm with you, Rob. I think people are, it's not the first one. I don't really think it's close to the first one. But in its own right, if you're just sitting down here in an hour and 40 minutes to watch this movie, I think you'll leave with with a pleasurable experience. I think it's it's a fun movie. I think it's a good movie. Yeah, I think 5.6 is a little too harsh on this, so I'm going to give it a 6.3. That's fair. I, like I said, I think people giving it the 5.6 are judging on the curve. You're worse than the first one, so I hate you. You stink. Like, I used The Hangover as an example. That, the second Hangover is worse than the first Hangover. It's not a great film, but there's still some funny parts. Some moments are like, oh, you walk out there, like, I got a good laugh mm-hmm. out of it. But people I went with to see that movie, albeit more recent, they were like, that's awful, so much worse than the first, this stunk, that stunk, and the other. Enjoy the film for what it is. Try to get it separated from this cinematic universe, I guess. That is the Bad Movies Worst Opinions podcast. Be sure to give us a review. Be sure to give us five stars. Next week, we are watching the 2017 Power Rangers with Elizabeth Banks. Rob was so excited excited to watch the Power Rangers I'm really excited. I was like, hey, you know, like I pick a couple movies a month. He picks a movie. We let the guests pick a movie. Rob said, we have to watch Power Rangers. All right, next week, we will do Power Rangers, the 2017 version. I believe Becky G is in. Mm-hmm. And uh, Brian Cranston is in it. And Bill Hader's the vo- I'm I'm going to like this movie, and I'm going to be alone on an island. I can't wait. <laughs> we have to do Mr. 3000. The next baseball movie we'll do, we will do Mr. 3000. I can't wait to watch that movie with That's you. another one that is good. I like Power Rangers, the TV show, coming up. I've never seen this movie, though. Yeah, don't, don't see the movie. If you, if you like the TV show, you won't like the movie. Okay. It's like a 2017, like, they're trying... Listen to the podcast. We try to. They, <laughs> I will. Yeah. Let's do this.